I'm Jerry Hancock. We're visiting today with Philip Lloyd Pearson, a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we're talking today about individual counseling. And maybe, Philip, the first question is, uh, as we talk about men and counseling, is it true typically that men tend to resist counseling? I hear that a lot. Um, Men, we're generally kind of reluctant to ask for help of any kind. Mm. That's that's in our nature. We've been taught to... uh, uh, to be the rugged individualist, and so counseling kind of flies in the face of that oftentimes. Yeah. So it's not a uh, Home Depot kind of project that we can work on ourselves. <laughs> you can do it. We can help. <laughs> That's kind of, it's, it should be a good philosophy for, uh, for uh, counseling, I think. Well, um, so if I'm a man, though, skeptical of counseling because it makes me feel like a failure, what, what is it you would say that you offer that they're not going to get on their own? Um another perspective uh and you know i'm not going to be the first i I don't know that it it, not only do we not go to counselors we don't go to friends Mm. we don't even talk with each other about our issues and so um um i mean i I, usually when a man comes in counseling there's been some big breakdown in his life it's not working i'm failing and in the secrecy of a counselor's office i'd like to see if i can fix that so i can go back out in the world and pretend that I'm doing everything okay. Uh, I think one of the things that we have to get uh, a little more comfortable with is our our fallibilities and uh, and our imperfections. Uh, we we have such a standard that's that's really killing us that we that we really have, uh, have to uh, have to challenge that. You mentioned so. that we don't talk to other men about this sort of thing, but women tend to do that, don't they? I mean, they open up more easily with each other and sort They're of They're socialized, it. too. They're socialized to do that. They do it much more frequently. And, uh, and so they have a support network that we don't have, right? That's right. And it's, uh, and it's much to, uh, to our demise that we don't have that kind of support system, generally speaking. Yeah, so what, I mean, what, men, what are men giving up by not having that? I mean, it, it makes us loners. It makes us separate from each other, but... What, is there more? Uh, it 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 cheats us of, of intimacy. It cheats us about the connection that we have with another human being. And so then we put all this pressure on our marriages because we're not getting it anywhere else. Uh, it cheats us out of knowing ourselves well. I mean, uh, uh, what is the scripture that talks about iron sharpens iron? It's that I, I, I don't even know myself if I can't see myself through another man's eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who I am. So it cheats us out of uh, our very uh, ability to experience our existence. So a lot of men um, go through their entire lifetime with issues they never bother to surface with anybody. And they, they would say, my life's pretty much okay, but the people around them may be suffering from that. Right. So how? Uh, yeah. So, um, and, and then so we can live in an oblivious way, but uh, you know, watch the watch the people around you. They, if they keep leaving, then you might want to look at yourself and right. say, "What am I doing?" So uh, we said that it takes a pretty good speed bump of some sort to bring a man into counseling. What are the typical things that would cause him to come see you? Um. Let's see. It could be a breakdown like he had an affair uh, and he really didn't intend to. He's a good man. He didn't intend to. He didn't ever plan for that kind of thing. It can be the loss of a job. That's a big one. Um, or the breakdown of or some demotion or something like that. Um, I would say those are 
those are probably to the, the two biggest uh, reasons that a man's. That's a pretty big speed bump for a man. Yeah. So do you, do you frequently get guys who just decide that they want to find more out of life, so they want to learn more about themselves? Is that um, occasionally? Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's rare. A, that's a rarity. Well, yeah. And I, I would say that uh, the other times that that a man's going to come in is when there's when there's some impairment that's happening that's keeping me, me from fully functioning. Uh, it's a depression. Uh, it's a lot of anxiety or something like that. And then it becomes uh, there's a problem with the machine. I need to fix the machine. Right. Kind of going to the mind mechanic. Um, so change is not easy i mean i think most of us who've tried to change things realize there's there's a lot of effort required in that um why is it so hard from a i don't know a psychological point of view to change our behavior well um it's practice we've been practicing it for a long time uh and it's a belief system too. I mean, the, the the what I've been practicing, I believe. I believe that I should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I've I've bought hook, line, and sinker. This idea that I am, at best, a very efficient machine, and so, uh, and so, uh, I believe this idea that something's wrong with me if I'm not being efficient, and so, uh, I. That again, that's the notion that has to be challenged, and it is challenged when I break down, and hopefully it's challenged in counseling when, you know, the counselor, rather than helping them to become a more efficient machine again, mm-hmm. which I have a big problem with therapy that just basically throws us back out to become more efficient machines. Right. Um, because it's not dealing with the underlying issues? It's not dealing with the underlying issues of the particular individual nor the culture at large. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if we're going to challenge the idea of what's killing us, we have to do it uh, you know, one individual at a time, and we have, to, we have to all challenge this idea. So a lot of men, um, somewhere around 40, 45 years old, run into this midlife crisis situation. Right. And I'm, I'm gathering that that's because they've become disillusioned at their progress or this, that, or the other that hasn't happened for their life, and they're feeling right. sort of empty. Right. Is that... You know, we joke a lot about midlife crises, and so the idea is that a man's having a midlife crisis, getting a fast car, wearing a medallion, getting a younger woman, and all this kind of thing, but really a, a midlife crisis is that at, at its essence a spiritual crisis. Uh, I, I've heard men say this, you know, I climbed to the top of the ladder, and I realized the ladder was up against the wrong wall. Mm-hmm. And so it's a spiritual crisis of saying, "Okay, look, I have I have done what I've been what's been prescribed for me to do, but somehow I'm not happy in my soul." And it's it, the way I look at uh, midlife crises is these are not something to joke about. These are these are a correction that our soul is giving us and saying, "It's time to take a real look at this." You know, mortality is true. It's time to take a look at where are you going. And, you know, forget about success. Uh, success is not, it, 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 is it success in the soul's uh, uh, definition of success? Right. Well, it's not a requirement that we all have a midlife crisis, right? So what, why would we not uh, do some preventive maintenance to head that off? Because m- most men do that for their cars. They do it for their work. They do it for other things. Why would they not take that initiative on their own? Well, I do think it's... I, I, I don't think that we have to have a full-blown midlife crisis, the one that, uh, you know, that, that is kind of classic. But I do believe that if, um, uh, 
that a man is not awake to his soul unless he's had some sort of uh, uh, some sort of crisis in some sort of uh, I, I like to call it a, a descent mm-hmm. unless he's somehow fallen. And if he hasn't fallen in some way, then he's not going to be fully alive to his soul. So I, I think it's kind of normal to have a midlife crisis. Uh, if it's, but it's usually not brought on as a, you know, just a, a soul-searching time. There's usually a breakdown somewhere. Right. And I'm aware as we talk that we're using language that uh, a lot of men would find soft language. They don't understand. What do you mean a weakness in my soul? What do you mean this emptiness? I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. My life is going okay. I'm doing all right. I'm just not happy. Yeah, well, um, on, and, that, and that's probably what uh, the midlife crisis brings to us, is kind of a, the language of the soul. The soul comes to us, and, uh, you know, in a, uh, it's not enough for us to have this language that is, uh, I like to call it mechanistic. It's all about, you know, what am I doing and this kind of thing. That's not enough, and that's what a midlife crisis often provides us. It's, it's a little check on that. Yeah, so, so, so to summarize that... Uh, we men have bought into the life that was prescribed for us. We've played by the rules. We've done the things that were expected by society. And at some point we realize there's still an emptiness that has not been filled because we haven't taken care of our spiritual side. Would you say, is that a good summary? Well, uh, we haven't taken care of our full self, which is, you know, the our, our spiritual side informs our physical side, informs our emotional side, informs our relational side. Okay. And so if we're not taking care of the real business of our life, what we, uh, the direction of my life, um, then I heard Sam Keane put it this way. He said, there are two questions in life. Where are you going and who's going with you? Most people get the order of those questions mixed up. Mm. And so we're worried about, you know, am I keeping my wife happy? Am I keeping my boss happy? Uh, and we stop asking the question, where am I going? Uh, and again, I think that's what a, a, a breakdown in life usually brings us and says, okay, let me take a hard look at that. That's soul language. I've heard you say before that the only way to learn about relationships is in a relationship because uh, some of us guys think we could just be independent loners and be out there and, and you know work on our own issues separately, but that's really not possible, is it? No, I don't think a person can know themselves. I don't think a person can. I cannot know myself except through looking at myself through your eyes mm-hmm. or looking at myself through many eyes. Uh, uh, does a, if a tree falls in the, in the woods uh, and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? No. If I've lived my life and no one's there to witness it and experience that, uh, you know, who am I really? So I have to really see myself through other people's eyes. I need relationships. I want to take this a little step further because uh, a lot of us, <clears throat> a lot of us men, blame the issues that we are facing now on uh, ideas that we may have inherited from our father or other male figures in our life. How do we break the cycle of not uh, bringing up the next generation to have to go through the trauma that we do to learn who we are? Yeah. Well, this is tough. This is one of the things that I think. Well, every man and woman has to face, but I think particularly for men, we have to we have to take a a look back at our fathers, and this is what's tough because usually we haven't we haven't had the kind of relationships that we wanted with our fathers, and so what we've done is we've taken uh, we've we've eaten the crumbs, and um, and so we don't want to ever say he's wrong, 
Uh, and But we have to do that. We have to take a look at our fathers and say, you know, what do I believe about this? And we have to, uh, as a friend of mine says, we have to stop sunning ourselves. We have to stop being sons. Uh, and, and, and the real order that a man has to do is to step into his own manhood, step into his own decision about uh, what is a man, mm-hmm. his own definition. And, and very often uh, that flies in the face of what we were taught about uh, what a man is according to his father. Well, that's a real loss for us. It's hard to do because we don't want to lose the little crumbs that we got from him, but we have to do it. I I happen to know that you also are very interested in this um, passage of boys to manhood, and you work a lot with the Joshua Project in doing that. But talk Uh about that and why is that so important for us men? Um, Well, it's... We're just lacking this culture. We're we're lacking in in being able to help usher young men into manhood, and so that's where this project, the Joshua Project, comes from. is is trying to reinstate into this culture um, uh, rites of passage. But if you know our generation, we didn't get that. We didn't get such a rite of passage, and so we're having to look to each other and say, you know, uh, you know, what is a man? Uh, and we're going to have to. Do, we we can only do that with each other. We cannot look to our women partners and and to define us as men. So we have to, uh, we have to find ways to do that with uh, with each other, and to recognize it with each other. So so this is basically something we have missed getting from our own father. But if he's still alive, is it still possible to go back and say, "I need from you what?" No, it's not. Um, it, there's a there's a time when when being uh, when being a son. Uh, is over and usually that time is the kids turns about 15 years old 16 years old and really I mean I've got a 17 year old myself my time with him uh, I mean I'm fathering him and I'm paying bills and all this kind of thing but in terms of instilling values to him that that time is over and we have to recognize that as men is that time has passed we I still have a hole in my heart I still didn't get it Uh, but now I'm going to have to release uh, the idea that I'm going to get it from him or any uh, other version of him. But see, I, c- I can enroll a boss to do the same thing mm-hmm. and then become very disappointed when he doesn't bless me. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can enroll my wife to do the same thing and become very frustrated that she doesn't bless me. So we have to provide it ourselves for ourselves? Is that what? Ultimately, I mean, psychologically, the answer to that is yes, we have to provide it for ourselves. But realistically, we can't do that in isolation. We need other men. We need to be held by other men. And what I mean by that is being in community with other men helps me to find that blessing from the, I would say, the greater father. The greater father is bigger than any one man. It's bigger than your father. It's bigger than my father. Uh, it's the archetypal father. Well, that, that, that man, that archetypal ideal father is going to be found uh, we will catch glimpses of him in communities of men, but we have to we have to uh, uh, offer ourselves to those communities in order to to find it. Wow! Sounds like there's a lot that we men can do for each other to build our own spiritual selves and our own mental health. Yeah. There's well, our time is up, Philip. Thanks so much for your time. We've been talking to Philip Lloyd Pearson, a licensed marriage and family therapist. We're talking today about individual coaching for men. We'll talk about men in the counseling process. We'll talk about couples counseling and other interviews, so stay tuned for that. I'm Jerry Hancock for Men in Balance. Thanks for listening.